Welcome to New World of Work, a podcast exploring the new frontier of the modern workforce. I'm Reese Black, Head of Workplace Design at Oyster, a global employment platform making it easier than ever to build a brilliant team on an international scale. On New World of Work, we'll hear from some of the world's best and brightest people and culture experts on cutting-edge topics that people operations professionals need to hear today, all through a global lens. Join us as we navigate this new world of work together and learn more about each other along the way. Whether your company is looking to create an innovative new product, offer a stellar service, or change the world we live in for the better, achieving great things as an organization is rarely possible without the right company culture. When people feel safe enough to experiment, bring forward new ideas, and execute on them in creative ways, the whole company will reap the benefits. Just as solo entrepreneurs rely heavily on a strong sense of curiosity to propel them forward in the business world, employees and PeopleOps leaders would be wise to foster a similar attitude among their teams. This is a concept known as entrepreneurship, which refers to the act of maintaining an entrepreneurial mindset while working as an employee within an organization. By encouraging people to practice entrepreneurship within their day-to-day roles, PeopleOps leaders can help to drive forward innovation, spark creativity, and increase job satisfaction for their colleagues. In this episode, I discuss the concept of entrepreneurship with Yossi Malinsky, the CEO and founder of Upstack. As an all-in-one remote talent solution, Upstack helps companies easily hire, retain, and motivate software engineers around the world. Yossi had some great advice for PeopleOps leaders hoping to foster entrepreneurship at work. So I hope you'll have some valuable takeaways from this episode. Enjoy. The remote warrior is like a unique breed of developer, or really unique breed of really anyone who works remote, where there's a different way of working. And you find people like in a lot of the countries we work in, there's these massive outsourcing firms that might have hundreds of staff in them and things like that. Almost none of them end up becoming upstack material where they are a good fit. The reason is, is that there's sort of a certain personality type that wants to be in an office and have a clock in, clock out sort of work where they might have like a little badge on there, you know, that they can swipe in like a key card and they go to the office and there's that security. You have your local payroll, you have benefits and all that sort of stuff. and. They sort of almost always want to be in that world. And then there's sort of like this unique remote warrior, entrepreneur sort of personality, which some of them have been in agencies before, but not all. Some of them have been freelancers for a long time. Like you often find people who have been freelancers for a while and they enjoy coming into a company and really helping them build stuff. They love that process of building a product and getting to the hands of users. And they're the people that work best for us. So it's sort of like, we have to search far and wide to try and find those people. But when we do, um, and we able to place them into a, you know, a fast growing company, it works really well. They are really serious about what they do. They're available when you need them. They're reliable, they're dependable. They take a lot of pride in what they do and, and things like that. So, but generally I think there's a, there's a rising workforce of, of this remote warrior going on. I think that's the trend that's happening that people haven't really realized. Uh, and I think it's going to happen even more as time goes on. Does being globally distributed make it more challenging to be an innovative company? And if so, why do you think that might be the case? 
a lot of it just depends on the company. I always think of like the movie, like Social Network, where, you know, I'm sure you guys know the history of Facebook and how they started. And, you know, that movie was really popular and it shows sort of the frat house style of how Facebook came about, where everyone piled into a, um, a house and just worked 24 seven, basically to get this thing done and what have you. And everyone was in one location and things like that. And then you've also got the apples and the Googles and stuff like that, where, you know, it's all about the campus. It's all about everyone in being in one location. Now, that being said, it obviously works because I mean, the iPhone comes out of there, Google search comes out of there, Facebook comes, you know, so to say that those products uh, would have been able to be done in a global environment, I don't think that we actually really know. I don't think we have the data to, to show that. Uh, but I think that you need to gear yourself up in a different way to be successful as a global company. And I think that, you know, the number one way is sort of being a little bit more asynchronous in how you communicate. So instead of it being like, you know, you're relying on being one-on-one and having all these one-on-one meetings, that might not be possible if you have three or five different time zones. At the end of the day, like you want building a company to be enjoyable as well. And there are different factors to that. And there's different stresses that can come out of building a company. There's mental health and stuff like that that's becoming a lot more like talked about these days, you know, and and I think a lot of people will be in a world of hurt right now with everything that's going on with, you know, with the economy and, and changes that are going on. And I think being global allows that to be a little bit more relaxed in that regard that, you know, it's clear what you need to do next, but it's not like you need to be necessarily in an office for 12, 16 hours or something like that. It could be done a little bit more in your own time. I think it does depend on how the company's structured and you need to set it up for success to be a, an efficient global company. Uh, if you do it all in, then it can work really well. Could you please give uh, a basic overview of what this term entrepreneurship actually means and, and how it factors into today's modern workforces, whether it be due to teams being distributed or, or other factors? Yeah, so the way I see it is, is that everyone needs to sort of have, you know, an incentive for their, to sort of to get their job done. So obviously there's, day-to-day tasks that have to happen in a company and the stuff that's expected, you know, sort of to get done. But people want to sort of feel like an ownership over what they're doing and a chance to do something different or a chance to do something interesting. So in a way, entrepreneurship, in my mind, means giving each people, the person in your company the chance to almost run their own startup, you know, so that they are taking a new idea or they have a chance to actually run with something. So the way I do it at Upstack is, is that, you know, we know what the basic tasks are and what needs to be done. But then there's always new initiatives going on. There's always a new task or a new thing that needs to be done or a new project or a new initiative. And we sort of allow people in the company to grab those and run with them as they want. Obviously, they've still got their basic things that they need to get done on a day-to-day basis, but there's always a chance to take an initiative and turn that almost into a new startup or into a new way to make revenue or into a, you know, a new result for the business. So I think that makes it a little bit more exciting for people rather than just be doing the same thing every day, like a robot. There's always some exciting new initiative that could be, you know, that you could pick up and run with and make your own. I'd love to hear a bit more about how how you, you balance that, or I guess what the culture looks like. How, how does that look internally to be able to make it so that people can do that? They can dedicate part of their day, part of their week to these experiments. Yeah, so I think there's like two buckets of like new of new initiatives that we would have. One part would be, you know, completely new ideas. Like we worked on this 
idea called Jamboard, which we use internally. It's almost like our internal status update tool where throughout the day, it's, it's sort of embeds into Slack. It's almost like the highlights of your day of status updates that are going on or almost like a company-wide tw- Twitter, I suppose you could say, where you could you know, highlight the things that you're working on. And then there are others, most of them, like probably like 80% of the initiatives that we work on are improving certain things that we have. Most of the initiatives that we do are sort of improving the process or defining like a new thing that will become someone else's day-to-day task. So it could be, you know, let's just say, for example, documenting something that we, that the tech team might be able to automate from what they already do and actually creating a document for that or a project around that to improve a process that's already exists. So they might be doing something very manually and it might require, you know, some development work. So actually working, driving the initiative to spec that out and to work out how it's going to work and to, you know, collaborate with the rest of the team. So in a way, I think that, in, you know, entrepreneurship doesn't have to necessarily just mean a whole new sexy idea, but it can also be like improving something that you're doing. And, you know, they don't have to do that if they don't want. Um, they could just sit back and continue doing what they're doing. But if they want to improve and have the chance to have that satisfaction and that feeling of taking something through the full, you know, life cycle from idea to actually, you know, completion, you know, but there are other people that will pick it up if they don't. You know, and uh, but it's a chance. That's that's in a way how I see it as being more entrepreneurial. That it's it is a chance for them to see an opportunity, grab it, take it through, and then see it be complete. The trick is is that keep it related to stuff that is going to help your business grow. So uh, one of the things that someone on our team did was like a fitness um, idea where we have a trainer that comes in a few times a week. And it's online. So that's sort of something where we're adding to the community. It obviously does help us overall, but it was a little bit more left field. And that just happened completely without me driving it along or without, you know, and I think it was a pretty cool thing. We want to encourage innovation. We want to encourage entrepreneurism. But then you have these things that generate revenue right now. It's proven. It's what you're hired for. How do you make sure it's just never at the bottom of the pile uh, and that it can actually get uh, surfaced? So I think, you know, not letting go of it and keeping it, you know, alive until you can find an opportunity to push it forwards, but pushing it forwards in a way where it doesn't take away from the rest of the business. That's sort of something that we've been trying to do there. It's like, I thought that was a bit of a practical angle on it, but we would um, try and do it in a way where, and the same thing with the fitness side, where it is a new idea and it's sort of like a new idea of adding fitness to the community but it's definitely helping our community. It's going to help with community retention. It's going to help with retention. So to try and at least have some business value being gleaned from it as well, that still fits with the main business. That's sort of been the approach that we have. It's still very slow. It's like, you know, you probably have to come report back to you in two or three years time to see how it all panned out. When it comes to fostering a culture of entrepreneurship at work, there's a fine balance to maintain between encouraging innovation and ensuring that existing projects are well taken care of. While it may seem like taking on new projects at work would only add to your workload unnecessarily, they can actually provide you with the chance to learn new skills and branch off into an exciting creative territory you haven't yet had the chance to explore. And who knows, maybe that creative side project at work will turn into the next Slack or Craigslist, two major companies that initially started off as side hustles. 
For PeopleOps leaders, there are a few strategies to explore when it comes to fostering a culture of collaboration and entrepreneurship. These can be especially useful for remote or distributed workplaces as we learn to navigate this new world of virtual work. Yossi shared his thoughts on some of the key steps PeopleOps leaders can take as they build a more entrepreneurial culture at work. I mean, first of all, being, being in a remote company, you know, being organized with just your basics is really important. If you're not organized with your basics, then you'll never be able to move to the next level. The stuff that we're really trying to improve in Upstack is things like using Notion for all of our internal documentation and having a clear business as usual task list, like sort of what are the things that everybody does in the company on a regular basis. So it's very clear who does what. And, you know, often what we were doing was a bit of a mistake was, you know, when we were hiring, we would have a checklist or a, you know, job description of what someone needs to do, but then we weren't keeping that alive as things went along. So it was like hard to know, well, who's doing what? Uh, some people might say, well, that's a little bit of micromanagement and things like that, or why do you need to know whatever it is just, you know, but I, I think it is important, especially in a remote company that it's clear who's doing what, what's expected and things like that, especially when things aren't going well, you're like, well, wait a minute, why wasn't this done? This was meant to be done each week and things like that. It's very, it's a lot easier to look at something that you have tangible. And then I would say like, you know, you then need a bit of a, a roadmap and a strategy and things like that. And I would say having a whole bunch of initiatives in each division, not too many, but maybe like three or five or even like 10 different things that you would like to do next and having um, a chance for people just to pick those up and work on them uh, in their extra time and things like that. But maybe starting off with things that are definitely new projects that are going to add a lot of business value, starting the you know entrepreneurship more around those sorts of things. I don't know necessarily around starting you know, completely new businesses and stuff like that as the first thing. I would say practice, first of all, with initiatives that are projects that might traditionally have been done by a manager and then handed down to the team. But instead of that, putting the framework of it, like the idea of what it is, and just leaving it there for the team to pick up an idea and run with it themselves. What do you think people ops managers could do to support the employees so that they, they kind of have that mental habit of having an idea, bringing it to the company, I guess, putting it forward and vetting it in some sort of way, prioritizing, and maybe it makes the cut or it doesn't. People in a company will only really want to contribute to something if they can see that it the ball's not going to be dropped, for example. So like if a certain team is putting forward different ideas, but then it's always being shut down by the rest of the team, or it's um, always, or it's never making it through the development process because it's just too bureaucratic or the backlog is too long and it never gets done. And it just, no one's going to do that, you know? So I think, but if they see that there is an initiative that was done and it got all the way through and it was actually released and now you can see, oh my gosh, wow, we actually have 30% more something because of that, or we have something being done 30% faster because of that, or there was some sort of outcome that's really satisfying, you know? So then there's going to be a much more of a, of a culture of people wanting to contribute and actually do it again or other people seeing, oh, wow, I saw that they did that and then actually got all the way through and they got recognition and there was celebration from the rest of the team. When you have success and people actually do complete it, then it makes it a lot easier. So I would say in summary, making sure that it's cut down into something that's actually achievable, practicing that muscle and then celebrating or when it's done will hopefully foster more people to do it.
what are your predictions for this topic that we're talking about in terms of entrepreneurship within companies, maybe over the next five to 10 years, whether that's for Upstack or, or more generally? Yes, I definitely think that there's, with everyone going remote for two years and three months, however long it's been, right? Um, things are shifting in a different way in terms of how people work. And, and in a way, you know, your question ties in really with the whole way of how we're going to keep on working now. And I think a lot of people do want to go back to the office and there are certain managers or certain business owners or there are certain people who, um, you know, are used to doing things like that. They might've been doing things like that for 20 years. So um, they want to get back to the office. And then, you know, I think that's where things are going to diverge a little bit. I think the successful companies will fully embrace remote like Airbnb. And they've said, you know, they're going to go fully remote. So I think you have to be either fully one or the other. And I think this hybrid thing is going to be one of the biggest sagas over the next few months in terms of people realizing that you can't really be both. You have to be one or the other because there'll be little clicks of people in the office who know all the information and become best friends with the managers or the CEOs or whatever it is. And they're all privy to the information. And then, you know, if it's not documented in a fully remote way, then other people won't even know about it. So you may as well be fully remote anyway. That being said, I think there is definitely a case for getting together in person and things like that. But I think what's happening is that people are changing the way that they work. And there's been a lot more jumping ship between different companies and a lot more freelancers become really big. And I think a lot more job positions are going to be a lot a lot more common to bring in people who have a specific skill set. You know, that's going to be a big shift in entrepreneurship in my, in my mind where, you know, almost like companies will be structured in a different way. And people need to be motivated by having a chance to build something a little bit more than just, you know, coming in to build one sliver of something. People want to feel like they are running their own shop, running their own show, running their own business with themselves and their skills and their knowledge and everything that they've accumulated as their, as their product offering. Uh, and then following on from that, what's, what's next for you? What's next for Upstack? You know, so right now I'm personally trying to process all of the stuff that's going on in the economy. I think it's pretty serious what's happening in terms of how it's going to affect companies. First of all, even just on a basic level, people being a little bit scared at the moment. And um, whenever they're scared, you know, whenever there's fear, people spend a little less or they cut back on things. Or obviously there's a lot of layoffs going on in different companies and things like that. We're in a unique position in the fact that, you know, we have been a bootstrap company besides a small round that we've done. And we've always run a profitable company. So it's a little bit different where we are. Uh, but, you know, I think we'll see a lot of change going on. So I think right now the focus for the next, you know, sort of year or two is to really navigate through all of this change and flux and make sure that, you know, we continue to stay true to our ideals. But from a business perspective, you know, we're really just in the scaling stage and just trying to grow and expand the business. But I also do feel that the overarching trend that I'm the most excited about this sort of new way of hiring, you know, the way where you can start working with a freelancer really fast and then potentially they become a new team member on your team. I find that a really effective way of hiring is to bring in a freelancer, see if they're a good fit, and then slowly they become more of the team. What we're trying to do more in the way that we engage with companies, with developers, is encourage people to get started fast with a developer if it's not working, switch them out for another developer, start working with them, and then they can then become full-time hires 
Uh, we've had lots of situations where that works really, really well, even to the point where that developer would start actually move to work from the, the city of the, of the startup themselves and stuff like that. So to summarize, it would be contract to hire sort of model. That's a little bit of a boring term, but you know, I do think that that's a really creative way of hiring. And I know that a lot of larger companies don't think like that. And as I said, old habits die hard. And I think that it's a mistake. And I'm excited about this this new economic state that we're in where we're a little bit more back to the common sense approach of doing things where it's like, okay, wait a minute. Oh, you mean companies are meant to be profitable? Oh, wow, they're actually meant to generate revenue or they're actually meant to make money for the investors and some, something like that. So I prefer that style myself. I'm much more in my element. And I think that people will be more open to other models if they're profitable and if they make more money and if they get better people faster. I've got a question that we ask everyone here on the podcast. So that question is, what's the best mistake you've ever made and why? I mean, almost every time I make a mistake in my business, I, uh, we, you know, we work out something to learn from it. You know, we just had a situation where, I mean, it was very expensive mistake in terms of working with a client that ended up, you know, not paying for services and stuff like that, that, you know, there were certain signs that were there that were really, really clear that that was not going to be a good client. And, um, you know, but it happened, but we, you know, and, and it was a massive loss for the company, but we turned it into a positive in regards to, so, so every time there's something that goes wrong, it's like, well, it already happened, right? So much you can do about it, except, you know, maybe be upset if you really want to, but, um, but we're always trying to turn that into like a positive and work out how can we avoid that in the future? How can we, um, make a process to try and reduce the chance of that happening again, or maybe even make it that it's not possible at all to happen again. I have a new perspective on the meaning of entrepreneurship after my conversation with Yossi. Here are three of my top takeaways from this episode. First, workplaces that offer employees a greater sense of autonomy within their roles will likely generate more creative output than those that don't. By allowing employees to feel like they're running their own mini startups with enough leeway to make creative decisions, try new things and explore their interests, leaders will be in a better position to drive innovation forward in the long run. Second, becoming more entrepreneurial at work doesn't mean you need to reinvent the wheel. Entrepreneurship can be as simple as taking an existing process you do every day and improving it to maximize efficiency. The important thing is stepping outside your comfort zone to enable growth and progress over time. And finally, just like any other habit, entrepreneurship is a muscle that needs to be worked consistently to grow. As PeopleOps leaders encourage, reward, and celebrate entrepreneurial behavior, employees will feel more motivated to consistently bring forward new ideas. Thank you for listening to New World of Work, the podcast exploring the new frontier of the modern workforce through an international lens. We hope this episode served to expand your horizons and open your mind to a new perspective. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so that we can reach more listeners. I'm your host, Reese Black. See you next time.